Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. So good to be in Zanesville tonight. My girlfriend's coming. Somebody wanted to sing an old song. She's been my girlfriend for 49 years, 50 years. We've been married 49 years this year. God's good in you. You may be seated. She's been chasing me with a keyboard. She don't even know what I'm going to say. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Sing with me. Since I laid all my burdens down, well, glory, glory, hallelujah. Oh, since I laid all my burdens down, well, I feel better, yeah, so much better since I Forever, and one day he's coming back. Glory, 
Jesus, we praise you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I, I love those old songs. They're always on my heart. I sing them every day. My wife will say, what are you saying? I said, I was singing. <laughs> praise God. I, I just uh, grew up with gospel songs, and that was all except when my brother would come in from the Navy and then he'd start singing George Jones songs. <laughs> I only know a few lines of those, but uh, I like to keep a song in my heart. How about you? I don't know how people live with those depressing songs. Man, no wonder they commit suicide. I like happy songs. <laughs> I'm going to read Proverbs 23 and 35. And we miss Pastor tonight. So good to see Sister Cindy. And I've seen Finn tonight. And, and uh, Jillian. Lakin's on her way home from Guatemala. So I get to see her tonight. But it's good to see all you folks. It makes me happy when I see you. See all these new babies. Well, wow, they're growing up so fast. I heard uh, the, uh, one of the, Bill Gaither and, and uh, I forget the, one of the old country singers. They was singing uh, uh, something about I got a lot. Seemed it how'd it go, honey? About I got older, got older faster than I thought I was going to. Is what it was saying. Seemed like yes, day before yesterday I was a snotty-nosed little kid. But uh, kids grow up really fast. Just unbelievable. Now I look and now I'm getting older. I help my neighbors sometimes and I tell my wife, I said, I'm about their age. What am I doing helping them? I don't feel like I'm that old. When you look around and you see your friends and they're old, you realize you fit in that category. It's kind of shocking sometimes. <laughs> I don't want to ever grow old in my mind. I want to stay young. I better go ahead and preach. I'm rambling. Proverbs 23 and 35. It says, They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will seek it yet again. Let's pray. Lord, for your word, we thank you tonight. Thank you that it's anointed word and it's, it's forever settled in heaven. God, we pray, Lord, that you would anoint us for preaching tonight and the congregation for receiving your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. amen. You may be seated. I read this scripture and I realize it's talking about the guy got drunk. And, I worked with a guy one time, and, and uh, I actually went to school with him, and then I worked with him, and, and uh, he, he and his wife were having a spat, but he had bragged about that he had steak in his dinner bucket. We had these humongous power boxes, and I don't know how many thousands of bolts were in there, but it was real big, but it got red hot on top. And you could bring your lunch and a piece of aluminum foil you could bring a TV dinner and set it up there and it would cook it by, by lunchtime. But he kept bragging about he had this steak in his, he'd brought for lunch that day. And, 
and we got down to where we were eating lunch and he, he unwrapped it and it was raw hamburger. <laughs> he said, I'm going to go home and whip my mother-in-law and I'm going to beat my wife too. So he did. He was that kind of guy. And uh, he came to work on a Monday and he was all banged up and bruised. I said, what happened to you? He said, well, I went out and got drunk and on Friday night and said, I, when I finally made it home, he said, I got in the house and passed out in a drunken stupor. He said, and then the next thing you know, there was a pounding on my front door and I was laying in the living room floor. He said, I went to move and I was so sore. And he said, look, my watch was gone. My wallet was laying there empty and I'd been beaten severely with something. And he said, I opened the door and the state police were there and, and they uh, arrested me for beating my wife. <laughs> She'd give him a good beating. She'd packed everything, took all of his money, his watch, and beat him half to death and then left while he was unconscious. But he was like this guy in Proverbs. He didn't feel anything until the next day. <laughs> Praise God. I never could understand why people enjoy that kind of lifestyle. One guy came to work one day and his eye was completely swelled shut. And it was black and blue and green. I said, What's wrong? what happened to you? He said, well, I had a good time this weekend. I said, I don't want one of those good times. I said, I actually got drunk Sunday. He said, preacher, you got drunk? I said, yeah, I went down to Joel's place and got some new wine. <laughs> but it don't make you cry. It don't make you sad. It don't give you a hangover. But it'll put joy in your heart, praise on your lips, a clap in your hand. A tap in your feet. How many's ever been to Joel's place? Praise God. I'm glad to have a drink of that new wine. But first, you've got to get a, a new bottle to put it in. You can't put it in an old bottle. It'll burst those. But I'm telling you what. It's like a fountain on the inside. It'll bubble up and it'll give you that satisfying feeling in your heart and in your soul. Praise God. Make your body tired sometimes. I was thinking, I was thinking about old times the other day. I was going to preach on the dying breed tonight, but I changed my mind. But I, I remember people the way they used to act in church years ago. They're kind of dying off. We had one guy that used to show up, and they called him Bicycle Joe. He's a little short guy, and they bring him up to testify. And I'm telling you what, he was on fire. But he moved his legs just like he was running up riding a bicycle. That's the best thing I remember when I was a kid. Man, that guy, he enjoyed himself in the Holy Ghost. You don't see people carrying on like that much. Debbie's mom, when she came in, she had been a Methodist for 45 years. But when the Holy Ghost hit her, she's like she's flagging traffic. Other people, I just watch them stand and cry like a baby. But I don't want to lose that old time rejoicing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because it's still just as real as it was when I was a young man. Praise God. But I want to entertain the spirit of God. How about you? The Bible says in Genesis 6 and 3, And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. 
yet his days shall be 120 years. Praise God. God's not always going to strive with man. And we, it goes without saying, you know, our world's crazy. I've never seen, I can't comprehend how people can think like they think. They're losing their mind. And you, you can't reason. Uh, like I heard some newscasters say, you can't make this stuff up. But the devil will take you further than you want to go and he'll keep you longer than you intended to stay. But I want to keep my foot on the rock and my mind made up because the church, it sets the standards that don't follow the fads. But I'm happy to be in the church of the living God where people have a sane mind. Praise God. But it's, it's amazing that when you watch people, and, and I've watched people come into the church and, and boy, they were so excited and they lived for God and lived the holy life and then you see them do a little bit of something and then and it bother them and they'd come to the altar and cry and repent and, and the next thing you know, they were out doing that again and, and again and again and, and pretty soon it didn't bother them anymore. And I, this week I've been thinking about people that I used to pastor and I thought, how could they go back, how could they go back to that old muck and mire? Like a swine, my wife said, going back to the mire. And like a dog going back to its vomit. And I look at people and I think, how in the world can you go back to that mess? One young girl came to the Lord and, and I was preaching about Acts 2.38. She ran to the altar. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. I baptized her in Jesus' name and she stayed in church for a long time. And then she fell in love with a guy in the church and he didn't show her any attention. So the next thing you know, she was back. They used to kick her when she'd get down to pray in her house. She huffed gasoline at a young age and, and did drugs at a very young age, was molested from the time she was about eight years old until she was like 16. Her life was a tragic mess. And she came in and wrote the most beautiful poem I've ever heard in my life. And then she goes back to that. But that just don't happen overnight. You don't backslide overnight. The Bible says that you're drawn away by your ungodly lust. When lust is conceived, then it brings forth sin, and when sin is finished, it brings forth death. I'd like to talk about the untouchables tonight. I'd like to preach an AT&T message, just if I could just reach out and touch you some way tonight. I want you to stay in the church. All of us know somebody that hadn't stayed in the church. Praise God. I watched the girl come up for prayer and she had a, a withered hand and God straightened her hand out when we prayed for her. And she was so excited. She was baptized. I'm not for sure if she got the Holy Ghost or not, but it wasn't long till she, she slipped away and OD'd and died and she was pregnant, killed her baby and herself. How do you go back to that mess? I never want to look back. The Bible says if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Praise God. And Luke 9 and 23 says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake 
the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged? Another scripture says, what is a man profited? If he gains the whole world and loses his soul. Man, I, I can't miss out on walls of jasper and gates of pearls and streets of gold and a brand new glorified body like an unto his glorified body. What could the world give me? It would be worth me losing out for eternity. But the devil, he's very sly. The Bible calls him, he's like a serpent. But it's, it's amazing that, that people, they kill the greatest preacher that's ever been born. And we read how they killed the prophets. Jesus said, you've killed the prophets. And, and they killed the prophets. They stoned them to death. They sawed them asunder. They ran them through with knives. But that's not the greatest preacher. All those martyrs, Polycarp and all those martyrs, Paul and Timothy and Titus, all those guys that died by the hand of the ungodly people, but the greatest preacher that you could ever kill is that conscience that you have that God puts in your heart and in your mind that lets you know when you're not doing right. The preacher don't have to tell you when you're going wrong. You know when you're doing wrong. Praise God. I read a story. My wife had a woman's journal years ago and it had a story about two young boys were out in the backyard playing and the mom thought, what, the, what are they doing carrying on so? And, and she went out there and one of them had cut his wrist and blood was squirting out of his wrist and, and they were playing in the blood. So she grabbed him up and applied pressure and took him to the hospital and the doctor came out and said, ma'am, your, your son has congenital analgia. I never forgot that when I read that story. Said he does not feel pain and he will never feel pain. He can lay his hand on a hot stove and he won't know that it's hot. And it's an hereditary disease and your other son has it also. So she had to pay particular attention all the time so those boys wouldn't get burnt or hurt. And I thought, man, not to have pain. That, I've got a locking finger right there. It snaps. And the, doc, uh, the, the PA told me today, said, you've got to have surgery. We'll go in and cut those little things. I told my wife, I said, oh, no, not again. <laughs> little arthritis. It's tough getting older, isn't it? And I thought, man, if I, if I couldn't feel pain, I couldn't even feel that. I couldn't feel arthritis and, and I couldn't feel knee pain. And, and you could get punched and not feel it like that guy in Proverbs. But then I thought, our bodies are created in a, a very special way. When we touch something hot, immediately we jerk away and our body says, that's hot, it's gonna hurt you, don't touch it. How many knows what I'm talking about? Praise God. And, and when you're, if you're home sometimes sitting in your easy chair, people sit there and thought, oh my goodness, I feel tightness in my chest or like I have a baseball in my back and my left arm's hurting or my throat's hurting. And I seen that, my dad go through that, but then he, he was rushed to the hospital and found out that he had, was having a heart attack. The Bible gives you signals that let you know that there's something not right in your body. 
Praise God. And I thought, sometimes pain's a good thing. I remember a song they used to sing, whatever it takes to draw me closer to you, Lord. That's what I'll be willing to do. I always want God to stir my heart and my mind because most of all, I have to be saved. I don't want to ever get to where nothing touches me. One lady, I've probably told it before, one lady, she, she nothing would touch her. My phone hadn't even been working and ringing. Now it's ringing while I'm preaching. The off button don't even work. But that lady, you could have you can have a great move of God and people would be in the altar and people would be weeping and she'd be sitting there like. And I went back one night and I got a hold of her wrist and I said, I don't even feel a pulse. I've had you in intensive care for years now. And I don't even feel a spiritual pulse. You're almost spiritually dead. If I was you, I'd run to the altar and I'd get right with God because you're almost gone. She cried for three days, but she didn't change. What a sad thing. One guy watched him come into church and and he'd sit on the back seat and he would weep and cry at altar call and he'd hold on to the pew Next thing you know, after a few months, he didn't hold the pew anymore. He just wept and cried. And then a year down the road, he just sat there at an altar call and never shed a tear. How does that happen? There's just, there's just that slow, aggressive disease that people get. It's like the uh, prodigal son's brother. He backslid and never left home. He just gradually backslid while he sat in his own house. God, I want you to stir up that gift that's within me by the renewing of my mind. When we first moved to Glen Ferris, there's a train right behind the building. Our bedroom was from here to that wall to the railroad. And they would come through in the middle of the night and blow that horn and I'd jump out of bed. It would scare me to death. And then that falls at night when there was hover of of fog, it would sound like that the river was in the church and I'd get up and run to the front door and look out to see if it was funny. But you know what, after a while the train could go by as many times as he's wanted, I just slept right on through. I got used to the train. I went to stay with my uncle one time, my brothers and I, we were hunting up in Romney and we went and stayed with him and he was a clock collector. And he had cuckoo cocks and chimes and I mean his walls was covered. I never slept a wink all night long. Click, click, clack, clack. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. How many knows what I'm talking about? And I thought, how can my Uncle Paul and Aunt Margie sleep through that noise all the time? And I realized they added one clock at a time. Let me tell you, all you got to do is add one sin at a time. The devil knows how to get you. The Bible calls it having your conscience seared as with a hot iron. I was 
checking on flooring the other day and the guy said, I tell you what, I am honest. I'm the honest guy in my family. He said, of course, I tell a little white lie every now and then. I tell dad, oh, I can't come down today, dad, because my kids are sick. And I thought, the only thing about telling white lies is pretty soon you become colorblind, don't you? If you can tell a white lie, pretty soon you'll tell a, tell a black lie. It won't be long until you'll just be a liar. And the Bible says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. Do you know people that lie? I know people that just lie. And you think, why do they lie? I know two women that lie. Usually it's the guys that stretch the truth. It's not the ladies. How do they do it? They just start telling little lies. And the next thing you know, those little lies turn to big lies. But I remember when Dr. Dobson, he went and visited Gary Gilmore before they put him to death. Remember in the 70s, some of you, when they put him to death, he had murdered women. He had sexually abused them and murdered the women. And, and Dr. Dobson went in his cell and he said he wanted to interview him and to see how he got in the condition that he was. He said, well, I wasn't born that way, but I started watching R-rated movies and then I moved to X-rated movies and then I moved to triple X movies and the next thing you know, something would come on me and it would cause me to kidnap women and brutally murder them. It came a little bit at a time. You're not born like that, but it's what you entertain. God, help us to have a conscience that when we do wrong, we can repent of our sin. Praise God, hallelujah. I wanna be a repenter of my sin. The Bible says in Titus 4 and 1, now the Spirit speaketh expressively that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It's just like they're using an iron to sear their conscience because things don't bother them anymore. Have you ever wondered, and you look at people that call themselves church people and, and they have no godliness about them at all? I heard uh, one lady that's uh, a celebrity, she said, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church where everything was wrong. Now I think it's a sin if you call things wrong. Well, the Bible says they're gonna call evil good and good evil. I don't wanna ever get in that state of consciousness that I can't understand what's bad and what's good. No, I want the Holy Ghost to prick my heart and cause me to run to an altar and repent of my sins. Praise God. I want somebody to preach to me the word of God that will cause conviction to fall because I've got to make it to heaven. Praise God. You ever had a preacher to preach and you think he's talking to you? I was preaching a revival in Beckley, West Virginia and a guy, he came to the altar and, and he repented and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And after church, he said, I was mad at you for a while. I said, why? He said, I knew that you had been talking to, to somebody about me because you knew everything I'd been doing. He said, then I realized you weren't even from here. <laughs> that it had to be God. God knows where you're at. <laughs> I remember one night when 
Brother Ferris was pastoring here and I was preaching about the grace of God and, and I just walked down the aisle and I, I touched the guy on the shoulder. I said, you know, God can even save you if you've been arrested for grand theft auto or if you've been a car thief. And I heard the congregation go, oh, he'd just been arrested for grand theft auto. <laughs> you know what that was? That's the Holy Ghost. The Holy, Ghost, the Holy Ghost went right to him, not me, but the Holy Ghost caused me to tap him on the shoulder and God sent him a message that God will forgive you for stealing those cars you stole. Praise God. I'm telling you what. People want to be counseled and counseled and counseled. I, I don't know that counsel even helps anything. But you just come to church and, and listen to the anointed man of God. You'll think he's reading your mail. Yeah. Old Brother Garlitz, he'd come around. He had a finger that long, it seemed like. He'd go, ha! I was scared to death of that man. I was good for weeks when I knew he was coming because I, I watched him call people out and tell them the sins that they had committed. I'm telling you what, the Holy Ghost will take care of things. I want him to take care of everything. I want to know that my heart is right with God. I don't want to be past feeling. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. They're past feeling. I knocked on a guy's door one time. He was a cousin. I knocked on his door and I said, hey man, I want to invite you to church. He said, ah, that stuff don't bother me no more. That don't bother me no more. I thought, how do you get in the in that state, I've known people that were so strict and they were so godly and they, they didn't want to make any mistake, but now I see them and, and they're doing things that they would have never done. You'd never dream they would have ever done what they're doing right now in the life they're living and still say they belong to God. How do you get that way? Just one sin at a time. We need the old path. Where is the good way? Where modesty counts. Where men look like men and women look like women. I went to a gas station not far from here and I went in and I thought it was a guy there working behind the counter until it spoke. I thought, how can you, how can you even be like that? It's terrible. Beautiful, blonde hair it would have been. Why does a woman not want to look like a woman? Why does a man not want to be a man? It's the world we're living in. They're confused. They don't know what they are. But the church is not confused. We're built up on a solid rock. We've established our goings. That's why we've got a song in our heart and praise in our mouth. 
kind of clapping our hands because we know who we are and what we are and we know where we're headed. We know the Lord's coming back and the trumpet of God's gonna sound and he's gonna catch a people out of the Gentiles for his name's sake who's washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. I wanna be ready. Praise God. Forgive me of my sins and wash me with your blood afresh. Praise God. People get inoculated with was such a, used to be a light toxin of, of philosophy or doctrine of some kind, but now they're just blatant with their stupidity. Unbelievable. Man, but there's a new world coming right away. I remember when they had 88 reasons why the Lord was coming in 88. I told my wife, I said, he's not coming in 88. There's not, there's not enough homosexuals in the world. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of coming of Son of Man. So as it was in the days of Lot, you remember what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah? All the men of the city came and they wanted to have sex with two male angels. They thought they were male, they were angels. And they were smitten with blindness and they still tried to get in even though they were blind. The Bible says that's the way it's gonna be at the coming of the Son of Man. We're living in a corrupt world. People are going crazy. But I'm telling you what, it has to get worse. The Bible says evil seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Can you believe that people are saying that you're immoral if you wanna save a baby? Really? They shouldn't call themselves pro-choice. They should call their, their self pro-death. The church is pro-life. We believe in living. Praise God. Even if we die, we know we're gonna live again. Praise God. But the world is so messed up, they've gone crazy. They're like, the sons-in-law of Lot, the Bible says that he seemed as one that mocked when he said, you gotta come now. God's gonna destroy this wicked place. And he seemed as one that mocked. You remember Abraham said, God, if you can find, if you can find 10 righteous, will you spare the city? And that was the last time that he spoke to the Lord about it because he was negotiating down to 10. He said, if I find 10 righteous, I'm gonna spare the city. All he could find was Lot, his two daughters, and his wife, and his wife looked back and turned to a pillar of salt. But I know he had at least two more daughters because he had sons-in-laws. And they didn't have birth control, so they probably have several kids. I guarantee you that there was more than 10 in his family, and if he could have only got his family saved, he would have saved the whole city. But the sons-in-laws had been defiled because he chose to live in the plains of Solomon, of Sodom, where it seemed like it was plentiful and everything was growing good. He made the wrong choice. Don't make the wrong choice for your family. Keep them coming to church. Train up the children in the way they should go. Praise God. And we know what happened to Sodom. 
and, and Lot's sons-in-laws were burnt with fire and his daughters were burnt with fire and his grandchildren, however many he had, were burnt with fire because they would not heed to the preaching that the place was gonna burn. I'm telling you what, it's gonna, it's gonna burn. It was water in Noah's day, but it's gonna be fire this time. I don't want to be burnt, but I want to be ready to meet the Lord. The Bible says, if the gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost and whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. That he's blinded the minds of people, but God can wake you up. Amen. You remember Uzziah in Numbers, the fourth chapter? Grew up in, in the priest's family. And they was bringing the ark back that had been taken to the Philistines. And they were bringing it back in it. And the cart began to rock and Uzziah reached up and touched the ark and God killed him stone cold dead right there. Somebody said God was cruel. The Bible says David was displeased at the Lord that day. But let me tell you about Uzziah. He knew better. He grew up knowing one thing you don't do, you don't touch the ark. That represents Jehovah Jireh. You don't touch it. There was a specific way that you had to carry it. And David finally got enough sense to read how you carried it and they brought the staves and put it through the loops on the ark and the priests carried it on their shoulders. But I'm telling you what, Uzziah died because he had no respect for the, the ark of God that day. How do you lose that respect? Maybe he'd come through and say, oh, that's the ark of God. First, he's like, oh, that's the ark of God. I would never wear a hat in the house of the Lord. I wouldn't. When I work in the house of God, I, will, I cannot wear a hat. I respect the house of God. Now, I know I'm old fogey. But, but I, I watch some of these music videos and, and they got hats on and they look terrible and they're singing about the goodness of God. And I, I think the Bible says you're not even supposed to pray. A man's not if his head's covered. Read it. It's in the book. You got awful quiet on that one. And the woman's not supposed to pray if her head's uncovered. If you want to know the rest of it, talk to pastor when he gets back. <laughs> Praise God. But I'm telling you what. You can just be around things so long, you think, oh, well, look, that's the ark of God. That's the ark of God. Let me see how close I can get. But there came a day when he laid hands on it and God killed him. You used to sing a song, and they used to sing a song, don't let me stray too far from Calvary. I want to feel the agony of Gethsemane. I might soon forget why he died for me. No, I don't want to ever forget. But I want to be taken back to Calvary over and over and over again because I've got to be saved. I remember my pastor, he preached at a church of God one time and there was a deacon that got real sick in the hospital and he went down to pray for him and and when he did, he walked in and, and the guy said, Preacher, preacher, I'm lost. I'm lost. 
He said what? He said, I have been faking it all of my life. I've never lived for God. I have been a hypocrite. I haven't been a Christian. And now I've been trying to, to reach God and I can't reach God. And he died like that. Man, I don't want to die not feeling God. I remember I had a lady in the hospital, Sister Donna, and she, and come on to the keyboard, honey. Sister Donna came, came to, uh, she was in the hospital dying of bone cancer. And the nurse called me and told me, said, there's a lady here that needs a Bible study. And I said, I'll be right down. So I went down, taught her a Bible study. She got out of the hospital. She came home with a morphine pack. And I went to her house, Debbie and I went to her house and we taught her a Bible study. She said, I knew I was going to have to get baptized when I seen you walk in the hospital. Brother Brown, we took her. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. We had, we had a, a lid on our first home missions church and, and we had moved the drums out of the way and the keyboard and raised that lid and had an old stainless steel tank somebody gave me in the floor. And, put a raincoat on Donna, covered up her morphine pike and everything. And I baptized her in Jesus' name. She come up saying, even me, even me, he allowed even me. I said, what is it, Donna? She said, I've been so afraid of dying. Said I knew in my heart that I was ready to meet God, but I didn't feel, I mean in my mind, but I didn't know in my heart. Said, but but when you baptized me in Jesus' name, she said, I seen the marriage supper table in my name at a place. She seen her name in my name. Ooh. She lived about two or three years with bone cancer. She called me one day and she said, Reverend Bounds, she was from California. I said, yes, Donna. She said, it's about time. I said, okay, I'm coming. So Debbie and I went down her house and we walked in. Hospice nurses were there in her living room. She, her bed was, hospital bed was in her living room and, and uh, her legs were black, her feet were black. She was losing circulation from her feet up. And I walked in. She said, you're almost too late. I said, what? For late for what? She said, I, I seen heaven open up and the angels are coming before me and Jesus calling my name. Now that's the way to die. <laughs> Woo! Here's the nurses. They're thinking, oh my goodness. They're just staring in shock. And she's saying, I'm having a wondrous time. And she worshiped and closed her eyes in death. Praise God. <laughs> That's a lot different way to die than what that deacon died. Praise God. I've held the hands of people. One guy I walked up, I walked up and knocked on their door and I baptized 18 of his family in the river. Steep hill, you couldn't hardly even drive up it with a two-wheel drive in the summer, it, it was spin out. 
And he came, come to find out, he was a backslidden Church of God preacher. The ones that don't believe in speaking in tongues, but is right here in this spot in our home missions church that I prayed him through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And just him alone holding his hand. I was watching the heart monitor and holding his hand when he took his last breath and his heart kept beating after he took his last breath for... I don't remember how many minutes, but I was holding his hand and I was thinking, thank you, Lord, for letting me plant that church, for letting me knock on his door because he was a backslider, but now he's no longer a backslider, but he's in the arms of God Almighty. Let's stand tonight. It was amazing grace How sweet The sound That saved A wretch Somebody told me one day, he said, called me and said, Mr. Grayley's been in a, a bad automobile accident. Had internal bleeding, they opened him up and he's full of cancer. They just sewed him back up. Boxlin preacher, 31 years. 31 years. I pastored his ex-wife. She had been a bartender. She repented in our first home missions church. And I went, they brought him home and I went down and sat by his bed. Man, he prayed back through. He told me, he said, preacher, I rebaptized him in Jesus' name. He said, I thank God I had a car wreck. I would have never been right with God and if it had killed me, I'd went straight to hell. But it was mercy that I had that car wreck and they found out I was full of cancer. You know what? I held his hand till he took his last breath. But when I get to glory, <laughs> woo, I'm gonna see him walking the streets of gold. Brother Nehemiah can't be lost. I've gotta make it, and I know I can, because the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men and is teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we can live righteously, soberly, and godly. We're in his house in the multitude of his mercy tonight while your head's bowed and no one's looking around. Oh, come on down to the altar. Won't you do that right now? And I know you feel Jesus calling. He wants to change. Your life right now, won't we come and pray tonight and make you new? Oh, He wants to take your pain and your sorrow. Start looking for a brighter tomorrow through eyes of faith. Won't you help somebody pray tonight? 
when you pray through. Jesus calling. I know you hear him calling right now. He's drawing you to an altar of repentance. You don't want to be lost. You don't want to go to hell. No flowers are going to bloom on the banks of hell. No songs of joy that we know so well. No children. No happiness. No smiles. No water, oh God, what a horrible place. But if you go to hell, there's going to be the vow and the filthy and the mean and pain and agony and, and the fires of hell that will never be contained, that will never be done away with. Well, the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Oh, but you can make it to heaven. Hallelujah. He wants to make you ready. Won't you repent of your sins right now? God, forgive us of our sins and our transgression. Wash me with your blood and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you're the mighty God and everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Touch our hearts tonight, Lord. To the altar, if you hear Jesus calling, He wants to change your life right now, and He'll make you new. He will. He'll make you new tonight. He wants to take all your pain and your sorrow. Start looking for. A guy that there was a guy that was with me the night I received the Holy Ghost, November the 16th, 1971. And uh, man, he came in, he'd been an alcoholic and and, uh, and he had been a wreck. And, and he came in and prayed through, and he was a wild shouter. You'd have to watch. He'd sling those arms, and, and if you didn't watch out, he, he would pop you with them. He was so excited on the front seat. Every time somebody had a revival, he wanted to go. Then I watched him. He kind of, next thing you know, he's sitting on back. He's on the back seat. Somebody said, he's sitting at the same place he used to sit before he came to the Lord up at the long stretch, sitting up there drinking again. <laughs> and I, I, I danced in the Holy Ghost with him. He was with me when I got the Holy Ghost. I've heard him speak in tongues and just worship because God had delivered him. And the next thing you know, he's back to drinking. Then he's smoking dope. Then he and his wife were getting a divorce. Two young children. The day of the divorce, he went to his mother-in-law's house and his, his ex-wife right then was there. She said, you want a cup of coffee? And he said, 
yeah, I'll take a cup. And when she turned around to go get the coffee, he pulled a pistol out and pointed at his wife and pulled the trigger. She fell out on the floor. He thought he killed her, so he stuck the pistol in his mouth and blew his brains out right in front of his kids. Oh. You want to avoid disaster? Stay close to the master. Praise God. I don't want to ever slip away from the feet of Jesus, but I want to stay close to the master. Won't we just lift our hands and and just tell the Lord today, God, I want to be close. I want to draw nigh to you that you draw nigh to me. Oh, I feel your presence in this place drawing souls tonight. Help people to reaffirm God their place in your kingdom right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord, and I love you, God. I'm glad for the church tonight. Won't we thank him for the church? We love you and we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Is anybody, you ready to dismiss tonight? Whoo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Softly and tenderly, Jesus. He's still calling tonight. Calling for you. He's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Oh, come home. Yes, come home. singing that song I remember when my mom was younger and they'd been to church and the preacher preached and this woman got her husband to come and, and he sat there and cried but wouldn't go to the altar and the next morning he's getting ready to go to work and I was playing the radio and I was playing that song he said you know I always liked that song he went out and got on the work train went up the road and the bowler exploded you can read about it in the pages of history how many people that, that explosion killed that day. He was one of them. Woo. Just a little past grace. Oh, God. I know one lady that I pastored, her grandson. Her grandson, she said, Honey, won't you, won't you come and 
be a Christian and serve God, repent? He said, oh, Granny, he said, I, I want to sow some wild oats for a while. Got killed that week. I, I preached his funeral. Terrible funeral of an 18-year-old. Just outside the ark of safety. But you're in his house right now. And the multitude of his mercy. Heaven's gates are wide open. The door to the church is open. He's still filling people with the Holy Ghost. He's still forgiving people of their sins. You can still be baptized in his name and be washed from all of your past. Don't be untouchable. Don't be untouchable. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Sing it one more time. Softly and tenderly, King Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Oh, beyond the portal, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me he's he's telling you tonight oh come home come home come home will you are we we love you tonight I thank you for your, your convicting power I feel in this house tonight God you, you're drawing people right now oh God they're outside of the door of safety anybody knows you're, that has any sense that you're getting ready to come in the clouds of glory the world can't hardly get any wickeder than it is but the church is here with open arms. God, and your blood's still flowing. Thank you that it didn't stop on Golgotha, but it's flowing, Lord, in Zanesville, Ohio tonight. You're rolling burdens away and cleansing people from their sins. Oh, God, I pray for each one in this place tonight. Help us all, Lord, to stand firm in the church. Follow the old path where it is a good way. Thank you, Lord, for your love. And it, it covers multitudes of sin. Thank you for giving me, for forgiving me so many times. I love you, Lord. And I love your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.